Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Welcome to Students of Conflict. We are Clay, Nick, and Doug. Hello. 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 And we are trying to become better Malifaux players, leveling up ourselves and hopefully leveling others up as well. We normally do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference, playing in tournaments across the U.S. Though tonight we've got guests from all over. Woohoo! We're not trying to capture our guests' entire tournament journey. We just want to take an in-depth look at one game. What were the key decisions that these players made before the game, during the game, and now that they're looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned and that they can pass on to others? Our format is to interview guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament, when it's all fresh in their minds. We can get some good cross-flow between the guests. But rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Today, we are speaking with Landon, Angel, and Carlo. It's the Pope here. How are you? Hi, guys. And it's your favorite Mexican. Mexican, not Mexican. Ahua! <laughs> these, these guys came in first, second, and third, respectively. And Carlo took home Iron Scorpius at the Lone Star Fodown Malifaux GT, held in Houston on 14 through 15 October. We're going to be releasing our discussions with them as episodes 11A through C. So, all right, Carlo, welcome back. So, uh, it is Glad so great to be back, baby. Yeah, no, it is always great to have you on the podcast, and I'm super excited that I get to actually be the uh, the lead interview for you this time. So this is great. Um, congratulations, uh, third place at the Fodown, uh, top Texan, which is a pretty big deal, and uh, and obviously you got Iron Scorpius. So uh, not got you you friggin' earned Iron Scorpius. So I don't know, man. Some people would argue that I that I cheated because I got a buy on round one, but whatever. That was not your fault, though. It was <laughs> yeah, not was my fault. Say. You are correct. Take take the W, man. Wait, how do I earn top Texan? I need to come down and win that award. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that uh, so welcome back. I am not going to give you the uh, first time guest kind of questions, but I sure. do want to ask uh, our icebreaker question for this episode: is uh, what was your favorite non gaming moment from the tournament? Okay, so unlike if you've listened, I'm the last one. So if you've listened to Landon's episode and Angel's episode then now we're with me. And though I must say, I don't have a title like Pope or Captain. <laughs> uh, senior? Still, you yeah, can call senior. me Senior if you want. That's fine. Jefe. Uh, jefe, that's fine. Um, but what I would like to say is uh, I haven't been playing. So Angel, I think, said he was 1.5. And Landon said he started playing at second edition. Or maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. But either way, I started playing in third edition. So me being the nerd that I am, uh, I like painting while listening to stuff. Uh, and so if I'm painting Malifaux models, I will watch content creators stuff in the background or listen to it at least. And the coolest non Malifaux moment of the tournament for me was, I mean, Landon, I had met at Gen Con randomly but meeting all the Danger Planet guys, meeting Angel, I met uh, Pete from Rage Quit Wire at the last uh, Fodown. Actually played him in Henchman Hardcore. Shout out to Pete. Great dude. 
So I'd have to say that the coolest non-Malifaux moment was actually meeting everybody that I've been <laughs> subconsciously listening to for years. And I even had a really good talk with Jim Dyson, which, by the way, nicest human on the planet. Oh, like, seriously. Okay. I love Jim Dyson. Shout out to him. I, I already miss him. Super cool dude. Uh, so the first Outcast box that I bought, I started. It's funny that Angel said that he bought the Lady Justice box and uh, started with Lady Justice because that was my first. Actually, technically second, but I start. I bought the or the Perdita box first because I'm Mexican, and if there's Mexicans in the game, of course I have to play them, right? So <laughs> it's required, um, of course. Uh, but I bought Lady Justice as well. I bought them both at the same time, but then I switched over to Outcast and I bought Hamlin. And Jim Dyson was like the only person that I saw that had any Hamlin content. So <laughs> I was watching Jim Dyson's content and I was like, I, I learned how to play Hamlin from watching you, except I didn't, but I, I also did at the same time. So a, a, it was meeting all of these personalities that I had like kind of learned the game watching through and B was randomly enough all of the, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm a very proud Latino and like knowing that there's so many like Latino Latin people playing this game is really cool. Um, there so is? I, also met, I also met Dixon. I, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with Dixon. Uh, I'm sorry. Dixon is great. I love Dixon. Dixon. He, I've heard a lot of him during Rage Quit Wire and stuff. He does play Jesus, Everborn. Take the wheel. It's 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 he plays Neverborn though, which is as an outcast player, like I hate him for. <laughs> because I think it's I've said before, I think Neverborn is outcast worst matchup because if you play Pandora, I'm just kinda host. But um Note to self. Oh man, yeah. Play Pandora and Outcast if you're a Neverborn player because they, they don't have a great answer for her. Note to self, actually learn how to play Pandora. Yeah, I would say uh, not many people have good answers to Pandora, really. like That's fair. That's, that's at fair. least from my perspective. But to summarize <laughs> but, it all was literally just hanging out with all these people that I have been watching for a year and a half now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you. And just for everybody that came, uh, Lone, Star, Lone Star Showdown was amazing. And, uh, and yeah, we had a ton of people coming from all over the country. And so, uh, so thanks, Doug, for putting it on. Thanks, everyone, for coming and uh, and a great put there. So I awesome. think sixteen awesome states job. and or provinces were represented. It was sixteen or seventeen. Great job, Doug, as usual. I don't know Thank where you. the Texas Malifaux community would be without you. So, like, I I appreciate you doing what you do. And people at least from three or four nationalities. Seriously, yeah. four. You had at least one Spaniard, one Canadian. One Mexican, Carlo. What's your passport say? What do they I'm tell Mexican. you when you cross the border? Okay. Mexican and Italian. I'm a okay. spaghetti and chorizo. Perfect. <laughs> well, that makes sense with the ten paninis, then. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, no, seriously, thank you very much. That is a great, great answers. The uh, so, what round are we talking about today, and and why is that? Uh, I think it's round five, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I that's what I wrote down. So okay. uh, man, actually, it's round five. one. Uh, <laughs> no, round one. <laughs> but really, uh, the buy that I actually lost. Uh, anyway, <laughs> there you go. I'm talking about kidding. the buy. Uh, no, it's it's round five uh, against the Pope himself, which turned out to be the only game I lost this weekend. That weekend. Um, and uh, uh, shout out to Landon. He knows that Yoko crew <laughs> very very well. 
No, that is cool. So, and, and shout out to you for like taking one of the games that you lost. Like that is not necessarily an easy thing to do. And so to talk about that. And so uh, we appreciate that very, very much. Cause yeah, there should be some good learnings from that. Don't, so, I, you always learn more from a loss than from a win. Yeah. So that's so just speaking, my opinion in general. Yeah. So no, and I, I certainly agree. And I have learned a lot in this game. Oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that does kind of go into what was the biggest lesson that you did learn from this, or, or ban, that you think our listeners could learn? Ban wastrel. <laughs> in my particular game, ban wastrel because Lucas McCabe, as a second master, ignoring all of Von Schill's armor and shielded, really really helped Landon win that game. <laughs> and the other lesson is count your cards before the game because I didn't have a red Joker, and that is a, it's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a big deal there. And that is that the, the count your cards thing, making sure you have 52. Cause yeah, you'll shuffle them. You'll drop 54. one, one will slide 54. under a mat or something. It's and 54. Like, it's 52 plus. Oh, two I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. 52 okay. plus the jokers, but yeah, is, uh, is a good put. So no great lessons. And uh, we will be diving into that a little bit. So Not obviously good. you played outcast. You're an outcast. Have you ever played anything beyond outcasts competitively no okay Not competitively, uh, except you mentioned yes. perdita you mentioned perdita I, but... I started as a guild player so i've played perdita sonia uh lady justice and nelly from guild uh, oh and dashiell um so i played those masters um uh as i stated before when i got into the game um the list building for like guild was kind of locked at the time and i kind of hated being limited on what i'd like what the good choices were to bring, but I I dove into Outcast because I was like super into Malavo at the time, and I went to a store and they had a bunch of sales going on, and I've always liked Hamlin, so I bought Hamlin, and then after I saw what uh, what else Outcast had to offer, I was just like Outcast for life. So I'm I'm not I don't want to play anything else, just Outcast go. all the time, all day every day. And there I love that they're, uh, what I love the most about Outcasts is that they're never OP. They're just like right in the middle and a little bit strong. <laughs> Angel's face right now in the recording is like, they're not OP. <laughs> I mean, you, you, have you given Tiri hey, a try yet? I have. I, mean, I actually, I have not lost a game with Tiri yet, but, not, uh, not but they, they nerfed the Matron and that was, that was necessary. The Matron was a bit overtuned. Not anymore, but the Janic times were dark times, in my opinion, for us. Well, hey, let me tell you something. In the errata, when you only have one model nerfed, that says a lot about your faction. That's all I got to say. But that model was like, especially with one shield. Yeah, I agree with you. Agree. And we're, we're going to talk about, hey, we're going to talk about that because I hadn't played Malifaux <laughs> in two months. No, way longer. So this tournament was October. I stopped playing in May. So I hadn't played oh, Malifaux. Boy. Yeah, from May to October, I hadn't played Malifaux. I played maybe three games before the tournament. And so I hadn't played Von Schill. I played Von Schill against Hans, which was also at the tournament. Hans and Rob are the two Dallas guys that got me into um, Malifaux. And I played against Rob. And I remember, like, I thought that the only thing that they nerfed about Yannick was at it being once per turn. But I was like, oh, wait, you don't draw cards from this anymore. <laughs> I was like, that's a big deal. So I had to rework my uh, Von Schill strats just right before Landon's game. <laughs> Youch. But that's... And, so 
coming in third and having not played in months that that listeners that listened to the last couple episodes that we've had you know we've talked a lot about the importance of fundamentals and man if that doesn't scream know your fundamentals <laughs> that i don't know what does because i was not expecting this at all i got to the tournament and i saw that there was a scorpius and i was like if i only win scorpius i'll be super happy and uh i ended up uh doing better than what i thought i was gonna do making, so. making the podium yeah yeah because you're like scorpius or maybe maybe i could get like best in faction outcast you know i didn't <laughs> even know that was a thing to be honest <laughs> okay so but uh but yeah so okay so this pool so you were going for scorpius kind of more than you were going for the win so did you planned when you were looking at the pools early on and, and let me just for the listeners it's all in the show notes but round five was standard covert uh, and the scheme pool was assassinate, catch and release, load them up, public demonstration, and in your face. So did you go into this knowing that, like, I'm taking Von Schill 2 for this? Or was it like, okay, no. I'm down to, you know, no. I've got, you know, because no. you uh, play the so, entire faction. You've got a few more left, and then you meet up with Landon, and he declares 10 Thunders, and you're going, okay, it's got to be Van Von Schill. I do play every master in outcasts uh i've got enough reps with all of them except maybe vix two i haven't played them enough just because i love vix one so much but i've got enough reps with all of them to be comfortable running any master at any given game day you know but um i got lucky i'm not gonna suit i think anybody that wins scorpius has to be at least a little bit lucky in who they're playing against you know, because I got like, how many Rezzers player was, were were there at the tournament? Oh, there was like three of us was all. I mean, that's there was th- like, only three. Yeah, it was like uh, I it was weird. I'm uh, sure there were f- five Rezzers players. Okay, so five. That's enough. Um, so we don't we don't want more than five Rezzers anyway. Uh, so I didn't run into any Rezzers before round six, so I didn't have to play Levy, which is obviously like my best matchup into Rezzers. Um, how many ele- 10 Thunders players were there? Was it like something like 11? 11. There were 11 10 Thunders players. Yeah, so I hadn't run into any 10 Thunders. So my best bet, as as I've stated in the podcast before, into 10 Thunders is Von Schill. So I had to play, I, I couldn't, I hadn't played Von Schill either. I think to this point, round one, I declared whatever because it was a buy. Uh, round two into Guild, which I would normally expect Hoffman and I wanted to play Levy. I played Terra, and that was a really fun game, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, round three, I played against Outcast, but it was corner Carva Path, and my favorite Carva Path master is Vix, so I played Vix. Uh, round four was a legendary game on stream against Mr. Angel, who is here. Um, and guard, it was Guard the Stash. I don't even... I Guard the Stash, I don't even care what you're playing. I'm playing Jackdaw, so... Yeah, I played Jackdaw there, and then I, my first ten thunders player, just happened so to be the best one. So I, yeah, had, yeah. To, <laughs> I had to play Von Schill in this game. Um, the reason I chose Von Schill two over Von Schill one was because it was covert, and barring that you know you can stop your opponent opponent from scoring with engaging them, Von Schill two has a two inch reach. Got it. So I kind of leaned toward that. And I know that Yoko gives out a lot of a distracted and Von Schill 2 stops distracted by engaging models. 
So certainly as we're going through, um, first a couple of comments is that uh, uh, you mentioned the on stream and that Heroic Skill Gamers uh, streams pretty dang regular, almost all of the tournaments in Houston, um, and then certainly stream this one. So uh, for listeners, we've got links to uh, uh, the overall stream for all six games uh, are available. we got those in the show notes. And then we also have a link to, uh, we'll put a link to both uh, the game that Carlo just talked about against the, you know, specifically we'll take you right to the time hack for his game against Angel that he mentioned. Uh, and then certainly this game was on stream, uh, the game that we're going to be talking about here in just a moment and yeah. uh, against Landon. And so uh, please check that out and uh, give the the subscribes and likes and all the good stuff please to uh, Heroic Skill help him out. He's, he's a fantastic man. And uh, I don't know if I've seen a better streaming gaming platform. I think his his work is is very 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 good yeah and he he's an always job. working on improving it yeah. yeah so and then the other thing is i would say just to landon that please jump in if you got anything like it's kind of rare that we have somebody from the other side of the table as also a guest oh, yeah so please please jump in i have to say those were probably my two favorite games from the tournament was the game i played against angel and the game i played against landon it's not often that you get to play against two world champions right so <laughs> yep and good on you for being there boy i wish i was a world champion i just keep getting new and new statuses but uh you know g- give me a month we'll see if i can actually live up to that one <laughs> Well, I mean, you definitely had a very strong uh, strength of schedule. I put that as the third tiebreaker because it helps, you know, get everything all nice and sorted and people like it. And you had a one of the higher strengths of schedules that was there. So playing against both Landon and Angel, it's, that is a tough schedule. So that's that's also like something I didn't expect. So I, I, like you said earlier, I placed third, right? Mm-hmm. So the only person that beat me was the person that won the whole tournament. There you go. And the oh, person yeah, that yeah. was in second place, I beat. So, <laughs> so yep. I don't think that's too bad of a showing. <laughs> yep, not bad at all, brother. Well done, well done. So, all right. So, uh, so we got uh, Von Schill two uh, uh, cruising in. Um, how about uh, the schemes and just kind of your overall game plan as you're going into this and you're facing Landon and maybe. You know it's Yoku. You don't know McCabe. You talked about a lesson learned of like maybe oh we should have been massive McCabe. lesson, massive yeah, so, lesson. Yeah, for those who don't know that this tournament was was bans. We ha- it was bans one, so you could ban one keyword. Um, what did you ban? I banned Honeypot. I okay. like I said, I my favorite moment of this was meeting everybody. I've been watching, so learning how Landon likes to play. I know he loves Kitty, and I know he loves Bill. So I thought if I could take away one of his two weapons, maybe I would have a leg up. I, I wanted to hire Kitty this game. I want you to know that. Well, you know, well, you <laughs> know what? I would have rather you hired Kitty than ignored my only strength as a faction there, or as a master, I would say, which is my yeah. tankiness. I'm going to see like five seconds of Carlo's show. I'm going to say like all my opponents except Carlo ban Angler against me. And I don't have Angular assembled yet. <laughs> what did I? What did I ban? I don't remember. I think you what banned with Bang. Whether it's like yeah, okay, I did, I did, I did. I'm playing any. I didn't want to see Swinecurst in there, bro. <laughs> Fucking Swinecurst, man. Makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, Go ahead. So yeah, so uh, that was the biggest lesson. I mean, I, I think I asked him beforehand. I was like, "Do you have any out of 
out of keyword hires that ignore armor. And he said no, but I don't think he like was thinking masters when he I said didn't no. Say no, I think I rattled off a couple of options, mm -hmm. then forgot about precise on McCabe. You know, I talked to you about samurai, but you can't ban samurai. Correct. I at the master level, I've got Yan Lo, and then I listed off everything I could remember that says the word ignores armor. <clears throat> not about precise, because I was just rattling off ignores well, armor. I can't I ban them all either way. Out. No, don't feel don't feel bad. Don't feel bad because listen, like when I I mean I talked to Landon, like not a lot, but I had talked to Landon before and I had hoped to play him at this tournament. Um I mean Rob Rob hates being on stream, or he he would have done it at some point. Or, sorry, on stream and on podcast. But Rob has actually told me in private, I mean, I'm going to air his dirty laundry out here, that Landon is probably the best player he's ever played. Look out. Oof. Nice. Uh, and Rob is a, like, perennial top table player. He's very competitive at any game he plays. Um. But uh, I was excited to play against Landon. I wasn't like intimidated or anything. I was just excited. Um, and playing him when he has a leg up is kind of like a cool challenge for me, you know? <laughs> no, that's um, great. Uh, and him being able, like I said, the thing about Von Schill that makes him good is the fact that he has armor and shielded to deal with. Because other than that, all of his models are stat five across the board. Which is not good because, as you most, if you don't know, most attacks are at stat six. So you're at a stat advantage to hit Von Schill's models. And so let me go ahead and 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 lay out the crew lists for our sure. Listeners. Go go and, right and, ahead. Yeah, and so so you had taken um, Von Schill two uh, Ironheart uh, Steam Trunk, of course, uh, Hannah, uh, two engineers, a scout, a librarian, and and a Draken trooper. And yes. so, uh, and you were facing Landon. You knew that he declared Yoku. Uh, he ended up bringing Unseen, uh, Yoku 2. Um, which, which I expected. Of course, uh, McCabe, who we've already talked about. It was McCabe 2, the Tomb, tomb Delver. Correct. Um, Luna, uh, McCabe's uh, totem. Uh, Bill, Terracotta Warrior, uh, the Kunoichi, and a Low River Monk. So is that is that the right list, Landon? Yeah, that's the right list, and I, I gotta say I was uh, quite thankful to have the extra time when we were locking in a list because I remember at least twice I locked in a list that for, didn't have Luna in it or some other model. <laughs> I'm just like, that would have sucked. Wait a second, I'm missing something. I gotta <laughs> I gotta change something real quick. Hold on. Yeah, because not being able to dig up that scrap would have been tough, huh? Like I, yeah. I'm looking at this list, and a lot of times when you see someone bring a secondary master, they don't often spring that extra cost for the totem because you know you're used to like oh if i get it for free yeah this is awesome but do i really want to pay for it well in this case you do because he wouldn't have gotten that sword which has allowed him to ignore all of my armor yeah three stones for the upgrade is is worth and then you know you get a few more of course for sure but when you saw that, were you instantly like, oh my gosh, you know, your game plan changed dramatically when you saw the list or, or yeah, talk, talk to me about your game plan, please. The biggest mistake I made, which I told Landon at the end of the game, was taking Assassinate as a scheme. I, if, if I put it to you this way, uh, I talked to Landon about it after the game, but uh, he stopped me from scoring the second point of catch and release somewhat illegally 
because he used gather intel on the same model twice. It wouldn't have changed the outcome. I would have lost by two instead of by three. Not big deal. Um, but the other thing was if I had taken in your face, <laughs> uh, I would have lost five to four <laughs> because Von Schell ended up killing Bill in that game. Yep. Uh, and I was in between in your face and assassinate. And I took assassinate kind of forgetting that Yoko has slippery, which is a big deal. Um, she has stealth and slippery. So like you have to get in there or you're not going to kill her. And me forgetting that she has slippery was a detriment to me picking assassinate. So my biggest mistake in that game was scheme selection in general, because I didn't score a single point on assassinate. And um, another big lesson learned here is holy crap. Yoko is probably the best master in the game at covert operations. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not till GG5, maybe. But maybe. Yeah, I'll miss Covert Ops. The, the reason why I say that is because she has several two-inch reach models. I mean, Ten Thunders, to me, is like the toolbox faction. You, if you need something in Ten Thunders, you can find it somewhere else. And chances are it has versatile. Yeah. If you need if you need guns, you have guns. If you need ruthless, you got ruthless. If you need ignore demise, you got ignore demise. So there's like, from my experience against Ten Thunders, is they have the most answers to like problems than any other faction. But it, they are accounted for in their models because, as Landon stated in his first in his episode today, none of their models, quote unquote, break any of the rules as like, let's say Levy does with his irreducible or something of the sort, right? They're just really good models. Uh, like in this case, he needed to ignore armor and shield it and he had an answer to it. Right. But uh, uh, Yoko too has access. 10 thunders as a faction has an access to reach and uh, two inch reach, two inch reach will absolutely destroy you in covert, especially when you don't have a choice of who's going last. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Have you ever, Landon, not gone last while playing Yoko 2? Um, maybe a couple of times when it didn't matter, but that would be like <laughs> mid-turns I've spent my past tokens on other things. Honestly, I'm not certain on that. I, it, it, would, it would be rare. <laughs> because like, I actually think that like, I don't think there's a better master in the game for Covert. I, I mean, that might be a hot take. I don't know. But it's a take I'm making regardless. But yeah, just because there's no way that you're not going to be able to last activation get a... Maybe not even last two activations. Yeah. You can, you can get a model to a strategy marker if you need. It's, it's more important, actually, not that I can get one to the marker, but that I can just make sure that of the opponent. four markers on the table, you don't have a valid place to score because I have tools to reposition models such that I'll be engaging you everywhere where you are and then I'll have my point. And and to let it to Landon's credit, he did that every turn. The reason I only have two points is because he went last and engaged my scoring models every turn. So I mean credit where credit's due. He played the crew exceptionally well. I had I even t I think we both talked about it before the game. I was like, I'm putting together this janky ass list. <laughs> and oh, by the way, Landon, I remember you saying like, I think it's a good list. I'll tell you after the game why, but you never told me why. Oh crap! What did I what did I have to say about that? Um, <laughs> but 
it's it's been a hot minute. Yeah, um, I know. It's been at least at least a couple of weeks. Think about it, and then if you remember, get back to me on it. And part of that is, yeah, the going for the jank because you're like you're kind of fighting uphill, so you're gonna be like, we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to. A lot of the reason why the jank was brought into this game particularly was because he ignores armor and shielded with a model that can actually destroy me. I didn't bring Eric. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Eric being a 10 stone model with only 8 health, if you don't have armor or shielded on that model, it is paper. Because its stats are so garbage. Right? So him pressuring me not to bring one of my best models was a was a big thing. And so I had to make do with other things. So I remember now, by the way. Okay, tell thought. me. <laughs> tell me. No, that, that was the thought. Okay, you brought Trapper, and the Trapper I actually really, really liked for reasons that you didn't execute on, because the Trapper is one of those models that can actually just deploy aggressively and just snipe Luna off the board before I actually get to dig up any relics. And sure, I can use Luna's corpse as a parting wish, as like <laughs> the one relic she's going to give out the entire game, but... Um, taking the trapper to actually start the action early on Yoko and force me to, you know, think extra hard about how I'm deploying. So as to, uh, you know, not get full advantage of my past tokens is, uh, is definitely a good choice. I feel like, Um, I I don't think I had a good shot on Luna. And even if I did, as I'll get to later in this podcast, my flips were God awful this game. (laughs) Well, you know, you flip better when you put the Joker in. Well, that's also true. But, I mean, Von Schill lives and dies on sixes. And I th- if you watch the stream, I don't think... Oh, it was I think, brutal. I think I hit maybe three out of, like, the 20 that I... It was I, so brutal. I that I got. That. <laughs> so, I, I do want to ask... So, first of all, you were saying... Trapper landed, and that—that's free. That's a scout. Or scout nowadays now. Ah, uh, right. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Too Which is totally fine. But I was like, let me just make sure that I'm—I'm I'm assuming that it's the scout, but I didn't. I wanted to make sure. Yes. Uh, the scout. The scout is a very underrated model that you don't get to bring a lot because you have Eric and Hannah, which are such fantastic models. But that's twenty stones. Yeah. So that's yeah, half your list. Pushes a lot of things out. And so, so in in my case, where I didn't bring eric i was able to improvise with more stuff which one of which being a range 14 gun called the trapper slash scout yeah and then i had also wanted to and you mentioned it before but could you go ahead and talk about the 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 missing red joker thing that uh, oh you, god you, you mentioned it at the top of the show but i want to go ahead and hit it just just like what had happened on that and then also like how did you deal with that from almost like a Hey, this is, you know, strictly speaking, you know, obviously that's that's the best card to not have in your deck from an opponent's standpoint. Agreed. I wish it had been any other card. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's like I'm I'm kind of wondering like how did you deal with that with Doug or or, or both of you guys? How did you okay, deal with that so, from like a TO standpoint with a with an well, illegal deck? So the thing is this is I didn't realize it wasn't in my deck until after that game. Okay? There's that. Uh, and what ended up happening was it was the, I mean, I don't know what, what is that called? Like the seriously twisted deck or whatever. Uh, it's a legal deck. It's fine, but it comes in a deck. It comes in a deck box. Like when one with like a magnetic flap, 
like a, it's like a cardboard box with like a magnetic flap that closes yeah. over. Well, mine has been through some some games, and the flap itself still closes, but there's a gap in the deck. So when I pulled the deck out of my bag, that card slid out the top. Oh, and I didn't realize that. And I, I remember telling Landon, dude, I haven't seen my Red Joker all game, which happens sometimes. It's oh, yeah. just a normal thing, you know? And then after the game, I counted all of my cards and realized it wasn't in there. And I checked under the table. I checked everywhere and it wasn't there because I had just played Angel on that same area because it was on stream and I couldn't find it. And then I looked in the bag where my uh, deck was and I found it. And then I, I put two and two together and I realized that it wasn't in the deck for neither Angel's game nor Landon's game. Uh, which is brutal, but I mean, that's proof that you don't need the Red Joker to win games, right? Or lose them in that case. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, 50-50, so that's all right. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened. And at that point, it was I mean, I found the Joker it was back in the deck, so it didn't really matter at that point. But I can't really do anything about what's been like happened in the past at that yeah. point, you know. So yeah, totally. my favorite thing was when. <laughs> so Rob and I drove down there together, rode back together. So Rob is probably like my Malifaux buddy. Everybody's got one buddy that they play games with, right? And mine is Rob because he lives a mile away from me. Uh, and so I go to his house to play. But my favorite was when I found out that I didn't have the Red Joker and I said that, the look on Rob's face, because <laughs> I don't think his jaw could have been glued more to the floor because he felt so bad for me that I didn't have it. But it was just, I think it was the coolest moment of the tournament for me. I was watching from the sidelines there as you're like certain through your deck and then you find it I'm like, Oh, fuck. Oh, whatever, man. It, oh, it happens. God. I got oh. the Scorpius, which is what I wanted, and that's I'm happy with <laughs> yeah. that. And doing it without a red Joker, like, that's a pretty good flex. You know? well, so. well, like I said in previous episode, when I played against Angel, I played with two hanged, and my black Joker counted as a red Joker, so I technically had it in that game, you know? I mean, you had only half of the potential red Joker. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... yeah. So look out. So, all right. The uh, other other list building thing, I wanted to ask about the Draken Trooper, that I don't see a lot of Draken Troopers. Yeah, what was your thought on that? Well, load them up was in the scheme pool, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, round five. That makes total sense. So there was two reasonings behind this. Number one, nobody likes burning. Right. Okay, so... For cares, maybe. So burning is a big deal, and even if the Dragon Trooper does nothing in a game, he at least blows up, does two damage, and burning. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so... And I think that two damage and burning was what allowed me to kill Bill. <laughs> In that game. I'm not positive on that. Don't quote me on it. But I think that that actually contributed to that. But the reason why I brought him was, number one, the burning. And number two, uh, it targets movement. So now I had a I had the engineers, Hannah, Von Schill, and the scout, the target defense. I have the librarian that targets willpower. And I have the dragon trooper that targets movement. So if I can find a weak stat somewhere, I can exploit it with one of my models at least. So that was the reasoning. It's that. It's B, the fact that it destroys markers. Yeah. So if he was trying to score load him up, I had an answer to that. He ended up not. 
I don't know if Yoko's even good at that three scheme, you know, but you know, even even I wanted an answer for it regardless. And then thirdly, he provides burning. And now that he's not eight stones and now seven stones, I actually end up using the Dragon Trooper for a lot of things. I actually really like the Dragon Trooper at seven stones. No, that's cool. That makes good I sense. I think it's a pretty good model, actually. And even at nine stones, if you put Wanted Criminal on them, even in disguise. That's yeah, not of course. Way. And the extra movement doesn't help when you got a, a, a long-range gun. Exactly. I don't think I've ever tried load them up with Yoko. Um, I don't know what marker <laughs> you would use, but um, I do remember how Bill died, and that's that he got soloed pretty much by this freak engineer that just like <laughs> built in armor piercing yeah. and just kept punching him with with armor piercing. He just kept flipping to straights, and I'm just like, it's, I, I don't have the cards to spare to cheat on this. I mean, I guess you're just punching Bill for five over and over again. And I don't even think it was with focus. It was just like what? Well, no, it was with focus because I got it oh, from the oh, engineer's from the bonus, bonus action. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Von Schill finished him off with two distracted, being like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you." And I remembered, like, I remember talking to you about it before I did it. I was like, "I should either focus and bypass one of the distracteds, right?" Or mm -hmm. I should just take two negative flips. And on the first negative flip, I think I flipped like 10-8, and that ended up hitting him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's great. It happens. You mentioned upgrades there at one point. that Because you didn't take any upgrades, you took eight soul stones. Is that about right for this crew? No, Is I that... think I took Servant of the Dark Powers with Von Schill. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Got it. Okay. Which, I mean, uh, I might not have written that down. That's probably my bad. No worries. Uh, but I did take that. Uh, I like putting it on my master when assassinate's in the pool, because if I so happen to kill something, I can stop you from scoring assassinate. No, makes sense. And great. the extra movement helps. It helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's not. It's certainly not terrible. So, okay. Agreed. So, all right. Um, during the game that... Uh, and we've talked about some of the some of the some of the fun moments. That uh, any other key moments that are worth worth talking about? Key decision points that you had to make during the game. Yes. Uh, so to stop Von Schill from dying, because I think Landon had him at like something like three health. I had to go. <laughs> I had to jump, cheat my seven because I didn't have a good flips. And I went and I killed Luna to trigger Servant of the Dark Powers <laughs> and get Von Schill back to a healthy state. But Poor it dog. did cost him scoring the strat, but at the same time, I stopped him from scoring a second point of assassinate. And I think we discussed after the game that he uh, his Kunoichi died before scoring him any points in that game. Um Man, that, that game was so, it was just like, I literally was doing mental gymnastics that whole game, just figuring out how I could score one point on strats. Now you know how I felt play against you. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was what, like uh, zero points until turn five on your part? Yeah. Yeah, I got no points until turn five. So he did great on that. And what did you say, Angel? That now you know how I felt playing against you when you killed my Vendetta guy. <laughs> First activation turn two, it was like... Oh, well. <laughs> I think. Well, looking at Mawtucket giving everybody immunity to stagger against the Jackdaw crew is uh, is tough in general. Yeah. For sure. But I digress. Yeah, no worries at all. So how about uh, MVP model? Uh, who, who ended up taking the MVP out of this? 
For me? Yeah. Ooh. That, it's either it's either that engineer. Yeah, it has to be that engineer. Now, what am I even talking about? It's that engineer. It has to be that engineer. 100%. Right. And which engineer was this? You took one and two. So we really need to know which, which sculpt was it. You asked me both, but... There you go. It was the one with the two ponytails. The two ponytails. Because uh, that's the one that was fighting Bill for her life the entire game on the flank there. No, that's it has great. to be. Yeah. So some big big lessons out of the game. And and it kind of goes to the key decision points. But but you were like, yeah, it, it was a loss, but but that you learned a lot. And so, yeah, what was your personal biggest lesson out of this game? Um, man, dude. Uh, so I, I think that one of the contributing factors to why I picked Assassinate was the fact that I was pressured into clock. Not that like it's like a, a, a jerk move or anything, but the round timer had started and I still hadn't picked my schemes. So Landon was like, hey, you can take your time, but I'm going to give you the clock right now so you can which is which is a good call yeah no hey it's completely acceptable i'm not saying it's like poor play or anything what i'm saying is is like i was in between assassinate and in your face and i picked the wrong one and i'm not blaming it on the clock by any means so that was a lesson is take your time i don't even care i mean and even in in our game angel the clock obviously ended up influencing your decisions as well I mean, I played six activation in one minute and 50 seconds. That is actually facts. <laughs> it was very impressive. <laughs> but, like, my point is, is, like, don't let, I mean, in that case, you have to let the clock influence you. You have no choice. But at the beginning of the game, number one, don't let the clock influence your decisions. Number two, ban Wastrel. <laughs> I mean, we finished with, what, like, 20 minutes left between both of our clocks? So, yeah, for sure. Like, take the time you need to make the right decisions. Agreed. 100%. And number two, if you cannot play Landon in a GT, that would probably be the best the best bet. <laughs> that is good advice. That's a good, yeah, top-tier advice from uh, us here at Students of Conflict. <laughs> hey, that's how Sam still scored for me at Captain Con this year. I got, I got a win against Landon the one time I played him. That's facts. Undefeated. Nice. There you go. That's that's amazing. A hundred percent win rate. A hundred percent versus Landon. Yeah. Can I bring up like a few random things from the game though that we skipped over that I actually think you Please. did that was really clever. Please. Um. So, I think the very first thing you did was uh, you did a good job of actually splitting your units across the board. You didn't keep them all in one spot, and you know I. On the first turn, I decide that I got to send McCabe after someone to get some kills, right? That's what you do when you hire this big mega beat stick, right? And so I send him after this engineer. And this is why I said both engineers were MVP. That uh, Carlo's given me access to take two attacks, two on the right half of the map from my perspective. Uh, naturally, I black joker one of them because I've, I've been black joker and damage flips all day on the turn one. <laughs> yeah. And the funny part was I called it before he flipped it. Yeah, it was great. I was like, Black Joker, and it came out. So that was like really fun. And it's on stream, so check it out. Yeah, it was only like the third time it had happened to me today. So I was, I was ready for it by then. You called it, I'm like, yeah, it is. But um, I had to spend a lot of time walking McCabe all the way over to that side of the board. And at that point in time, he's there, he's fighting that model, he's fighting Hannah, and he's not fighting, crucially, your, uh, your master. Squishies. To, or your everyone's squishy i got precise right but of course yeah um, fair enough 
like he's not there trying to get me those assassinate points and i realized that i i ended up after that black joker i just had to spend too much time on the right half of the the board with mccabe to get you know the kills that i wanted to um because hannah was not the ideal opponent for mccabe i don't think and he spent a lot of time with her of course not with counterspell and and stones it's it's tough and i i did kind of like play keep away from a cave that whole game. I was like, give this unit rocket boots, jump them away from a cave. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I felt like you did a good job using, trying to use the whole board because if I have to hire a second master, right? Like so much of my ability to influence the board is centered around that piece. So if you can like create distance between that piece and what it wants to do, that's a really effective way that, you know, maybe isn't talked about enough of how you deal with master hires or just like immensely powerful pieces on the board. I, I, I appreciate that. I made a decision. I made a decision that game as soon as I saw McCabe. I was like, hey, wherever McCabe goes, I'm going to run away from him the whole game. And I and to that detriment, I, uh, I really stuck to that game plan. I was like, I don't want to bear anywhere near this guy, especially with my catch and release model. <laughs> See now, yeah, your catch and release model, you did a good job of just like keeping that info close to you, uh, you know, until the end of the game where it was like, oh, that's the catch and release model, right? Um, so I didn't, I didn't even know if that was on my, my bingo list of schemes you might have taken. I mean, I probably tried to play around it at some point in time, but it was not early enough for, uh, you know, when it needed to be so you did a good job of uh you know keeping that those cards close to your chest but mostly i just wanted to talk about the uh you know the black joker salt and the uh you know (laughs) well about uh, (laughs) about keeping uh keeping your crew not all in one place but to be fair the uh he didn't have a red joker there so that kind of balance out the black joker yeah exactly yeah well there's that and then all it did was buy me i cheated initiative one initiative and then it got to get me the card back because i cheated and then it died immediately after that (laughs) no that's you gotta finish your food of course so all right so kind of moving to our looking back at the game segment we love asking advice for bottom third player advice for me uh someone facing uh you know so i've Face Von Schill a couple times, uh, even Von Schill too. But like, what kind of advice would you give me or or somebody like me facing Von Schill and and kind of just not a great player? Right? Okay, How can we well, be better against your crew, man. Like I stated at the beginning of the thing. Well, number one, Yannick's gone. I would have said kill Yannick, but yeah, Yannick's gone. Yeah. It's not tech. It's not tech anymore. Um, so don't worry about that. My biggest piece of advice, if you're fighting against Von Schill, is bring something that ignores armor or that ignores shielded. Because that, that crew lives or dies on its tankiness. There's st- like literally every minion in that faction or that keyword is five, 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 five. You know what I mean? Five movement, five defense, five willpower, five everything, you know? So uh, you were probably going to have attacks that hit harder than what they can take if you ignore their armor and their shielded. Yeah. Now, how about like in in Landon kind of faced this in that you know one model that was really really good about that and obviously can hand out swords 
but like, yeah, one model or two models that you bring in as a tech pick, how do you use those most effectively against someone like you where it's like, yeah, do you end up trying to feed them targets? How does that look from your standpoint if here I am with, or another you know new player is, you know, brings in, you know, two guys who are really good at armor killing and you can just avoid them. You know, how, so, so how does that play out in practice for you? In my, um, I had to deal with something similar to this in a previous game, which I played against, I think his name is Cat King, um, where he was playing Jackdaw. And I know, uh, me as a Jackdaw player, I know what Jackdaw's weaknesses are, which is ruthless because they live or die on terrifying. So I ended up playing the Vix, which number one has an in keyword ruthless model being Taylor and a versatile ruthless model being Hans. Um, so like I said, knowing what your opponent's strengths and weaknesses are, are massive in this game. Um, and as a pilot of a scalpel model, I feel I can, I think that's the right term. Yeah. Um, I always like to start somewhere where I can hit you, but you can't hit me back. So flanks are great for scalpel models. Right, so if you deploy them on sides and then you start taking out the model that's weakest to you and then kind of start working your way in towards the models that are strongest towards you, that that model that you hired to be a scalpel has done its job, therefore if it dies, you're not upset about it. But on the receiving end, where you see that your opponent has a scalpel model, have rocket boots and jump away from it. Jump <laughs> away, <laughs> yeah. Cheat it if you have to, like I did. Just leave. Don't let it hit you more yeah. than once, even if it has three AP. That's what Malifon needs, you know. Rocket boots for the Tanukis, so they can <laughs> stay alive. <laughs> hey, hey! If we ever play a two v two, I'll bring Von Schill and I'll give you Tanuki rocket boots. Okay, buddy. Nice. That would be. That I got. We got to do that. Got to do that. So, all right. Uh, I'm also curious, just gotcha moments uh, or, or gotcha characteristics, mechanics uh, that exist within uh, Bunchill in general, Bunchill 2 in specific. Uh, what should new players watch out for if uh, they're facing uh, Bunchill? Okay. So the thing that me personally, I misplay a lot, and I think I did it in this game, is... Uh, so there's there's three things that make Von Schill 2 better than Von Schill 1, and there's infinite things that make Von Schill 1 better than Von Schill 2. I actually still think that Von Schill 1 is better than Von Schill 2. But in Covert Ops, where the reach matters and me needing to kill his models, min 3 is better than min 2, regardless of range. Um, I would say that you need to watch out for the fact that when they use, because Von Schill 2 can use two bonus actions, right? But they have to be two different bonus actions. And I think Landon caught me accidentally almost cheating, you know, because I tried to foul mouth motivation twice and you can't do that. You can only do each action once, but you can use two bonus actions. Okay. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is, is the fact you cannot forget that anything engaged by Von Schill 2 ignores any negatives whatsoever. It didn't come into play this game, but if, for example, you distract one of my models, cool, I'll just run Von Schill up to the model that I want to shoot or hit with it, 
and then it ignores the distracted. Or if you have manipulative or serene countenance or one of those defensive techs, if I get Von Schill in position to engage them and then rocket launcher that model in the face, that model's probably gone. Yeah. You know? How does that interact with Luck Thief? Uh, it ignores all negatives. But I don't know if it's in opposed duels and damage duels. I have to look that up. No, no, only only opposed duels. I think I want to say the damage duels still would be negative. Correct. But the to hit to hit duels would be straight. Yes. But I mean, at that point, you're doing damage, so it's kind of worth. Yeah, always. I, that's a good question. I guess first you have to determine how many positives or negatives you have, and then you just choose to ignore them with the ability. Yeah. So that's that's how I assume it will work. Yeah, you just ignore it all with the Soldner Cap Soldner Captain or whatever it's called. So yeah, I would say that those are a couple of uh oh moments that you need to look out for Von Schill. That's kind of Von Schill's strength in general is having an like okay, so I said earlier that Ten Thunders is the toolbox faction. Von Schill is the toolbox master for outcasts. I can play Von Schill in any matchup and kind of just be okay because I have so many options to like deal with certain things. I mean, he does have a toolbox that rolls around with him. Agreed, which for some reason doesn't have all terrain and I'm going to be salty about it forever. It's got tank treads. It should be able to move through a terrain. Fight me. Anyway, no, what I'm saying is that if you have, if I'm playing against explorers, well, I'll bring Hannah and librarians because they attack willpower and that's explorer's weakness. You know, um, if I'm playing against rezzers, well, I will bring um, dragon troopers because they attack movement, which rezzers have less of, and they apply burning, which their armor and their hard to wound won't won't stop them from healing. So, like like I said, von Schill's kind of like a toolbox, a toolbox model, toolbox uh, keyword because I can figure out ways to gain advantages just from his model selection in general. Oh, that makes great sense. That uh, Shift into uh, middle third players, uh, experienced players who are maybe, you know, they're looking to beat you if they play tight, uh, at least looking to keep the differential down. So what kind of advice would you give to middle third players? To beat me? Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, Von Schill is my, like, I have a really low win rate with Von Schill. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, as, despite him being a toolbox master, I, like, tend to, like, mess up something when I pilot him, uh, which probably tells me I should play him more. <laughs> um, but um, uh, to beat me, if I'm piloting Von Schill, which probably will only be if you're a 10 Thunders player. <laughs> yeah. Um, is uh, stop me from putting out upgrades. Uh, Von Schill lives and dies on upgrades. Um, if I didn't have rocket boots, I couldn't run away from McCabe. If I didn't have uh, sh uh, the shields, I couldn't survive the onslaught that Bill gives me. You know, uh, it, if Von Schill can't put out upgrades, and Von Schill 2 is way worse at putting out upgrades than Von Schill 1 is. Um, so stop me from putting out upgrades. If that means killing my steam trunk, do it. It has three health. If you can plink it three times, it dies and it blows up and hurts my models. So do it. Kill my steam trunk. I've got a question on that. Yeah. So you said that you tend to play Von Schill into 10 Thunders. Yeah. Now, 10 Thunders is one of the two factions that, uh, there is a model with 
academic superiority in it. So Shenlong 2, and that just ignores your upgrades. Mm-hmm. Do you Have you run into that? Is that something you worry about? I have. Luckily, when I did, I had a lot of guns, so they didn't get to get to me before I shot them off the board. Because that's another thing Shenlong doesn't have is guns. Well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's always Fuhatsu. Yeah, I was going to say Fuhatsu. And if you're really getting controversial here, 10 Thunder Archers. Yeah, of course. Whoa, now. But number one, not a lot of people run them. And number two, they really don't like Eric in their face. No, I'd agree. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I don't think anyone likes Eric in their face. Unless you ignore armor, which they do. But they can't shoot while they're engaged. So, <laughs> yeah. No, that, what an interesting matchup. Because yeah, it's uh, and everybody who plays Ten Thunders that's listening to this is now like, huh? What do I do if I ever face Carlo? Because he's bringing Von Schill. <laughs> you know? Pro- so. Probably. I actually thought about retroactively when I played against the when I brought Von Schill into this. I, I had I had Von Schill, Leviticus, Parker left in my Scorpius rotation. I was like, should I have brought Parker? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I would have lost harder if I had brought Parker. I think Parker can have a lot of game into Joku too. I mean, they have a lot of stealth, man. So like, it's tough. I, I don't know if I agree with that, that take that Parker would be good into Yoko too. I mean, stagger at 18 inches range while pushing you backwards. If they don't have stealth. Yeah, but you want to stagger Hinamatsu. That's the, uh, the he didn't bring Hinamatsu. Or do you want to stagger Bill so he cannot push Bill across the board? I probably would have brought Hinamatsu if you played. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have. Now that I think about it, you got Mad, Mad Dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it before. That's super interesting. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I also had Hamlin. And I also thought about maybe playing Hamlin. Because Hamlin's a wild card. Like, not a lot of people expect Hamlin to be dropped. Uh, Charmanders. I will never play Hamlin into Ten Thunders based on experience. Yeah, Hamlin, Hamlin's not, not great there. Yeah. You, you just need the other opponent to have a Charmander on the right spot at some point, which he can easily get. Oh, Charmander, you mean, uh, uh, what are they called? The, the Lions. Charmwater. Oh, Charmwater. Charmwater. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate those fuckers. Yeah, they're, and, I, well, I mean, I mean, I couldn't ban them in this case because they're in keyword, but <laughs> I, me as an outcast player, a lot of people don't know this, but we live or die by demise. There are a couple of very important ones. As a Marcus Main and lover of my jackalope, I hate anything that denies my demises. Well, yeah, no, trust me. I got Hamlin with a demise. I got Hamlin with a demise. I've had Jackdaw and uh, uh, mainly Montresor in that keyword. I've got Leviticus. I've got, um, there's so many masters that live or die on demise triggers. Yeah. And Outcast. Also good to know. No, that's great. So some great stuff in there for, uh, for middle thirds. So how about top third player? Yeah, what do you wish you, maybe that you'd done differently? What And what did you learn as a top third player, uh, brother? Again, congratulations. But yeah, what did you learn from this game? Ban Wastrel. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Ban Wastrel, number one. Number two, don't play against Yoko in Covert Ops. <laughs> yeah. But, so I actually wanted to dig in a little bit onto the Ban Wastrel. And this is just because we got you, Landon, that you'd said that uh, you were planning on bringing Kitty originally, right? So... 
would you have banned Wastrel? Would you put that out as generic advice? Oh no, Wastrel was definitely the correct ban. Uh, I I think I rattled it off during my listing, but it was because Sadir had uh, analyzed weakness when I was talking about like, oh, what can ignore armor? Oh, Wastrel can ignore armor. I've got Sadir for analyzed weakness, but it's analyzed weakness. I think is how I glazed yeah, over it. That's one model. That's one model. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you ask me what to ban, I'll rattle off every keyword in my faction for one reason or the other. Because they're the toolbox faction. Exactly. But the reason I actually wanted to uh, hire Kitty was because I had hired McCabe. It wasn't that, um, you know, I, I needed Kitty and not McCabe. Uh, because McCabe, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things when you're hiring this really expensive piece that you're going to throw your whole game plan around is that you want to move it around for free. And if I had story yeah. in my bag, uh, I would have probably just put the paper tiger in instead. Of course. Mm. Um, but I don't think Nick had given me story for the weekend, which was fine because everyone else banned story. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't rate them all that highly. But uh, other I mean, people Wukong's do. annoying, but you can um, play against It's him. mostly for Than, I think. Than is a really annoying piece yeah, to play into. Cool. Um, having done it this week. I always ban a story against 10 Thunders, and for me it's Tan and Raijin. Yeah, Raijin also is a pretty decent choice, especially yeah, when you're stun, playing Outcast and you have rough. all the guns. Yeah. Yeah, that Stan Shockwave is really rough and like invalidating guns so hard. So like, there's a lot of good choices for tech you can dive into that keyword to go yeah. like grab, so I think that's why it was a common ban. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. Anyone who listens to my content who's played with me knows that I don't really hire those models because, uh, you know, Burns is just like, not not Burns, sorry. Uh, Madness. Madness of Malifaux is just this giant gaping void in my head as far as play options is, are concerned. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I didn't have Teary. Maybe Teary might have been fun in this matchup, but I didn't have her put together. I didn't have her. I'm, I do now because that's what I took home in price support. Nice. There you go. So I, I think I brought no. Koji to like two events uh, when he was unnerfed, and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, Carla, I got a, a question for you uh, sure. that kind of goes towards the you know top tier player that you won Iron Scorpius mm-hmm. playing you know a different master every single time, and anyone can you know go and try that, but to do that and do it successfully. That tends to be a top tier thing. What advice would you give to a player who's like, you know what? I'm going for Scorpius. Number one, get the buy, especially in a six round tournament. <laughs> get the buy. Heck yeah. Not that I'm not going to say that didn't help, but I mean the buy only gives you a plus two. So I don't know who I would have played round one, but I easily could have won maybe that game by two. Who knows? I might have lost. I don't want to be cocky, but who knows? Number one, get the buy. Number two, <laughs> number two is no life a faction like I have with outcasts. Okay, and what I mean by no life is just play one faction and one faction only. I mean, Landon obviously has the most reps under ten thunders, and Angel, as you said, your comfort pick is Bayou. So uh, if you know a faction inside and out, you know tech picks, you know matchups, you know everything about the faction. So I literally got lucky in the fact that I didn't have to bring out my counters until the last two rounds. I literally just played what I thought was the most effective. 
Uh, I played Terra when Breakthrough was in the pool against Guild. So, duh. Terra can score Breakthrough by herself in almost every game. Uh, I picked uh, Victorias and Carve a Path because Ronin are really good can kickers, especially in corner. I picked Jackdaw and Guard the Stash. I've talked about that in our in our in your podcast before. I think he's our best option in Guard the Stash. And since I got the buy, I didn't have to play Guard the Stash round one, so <laughs> that also helped because uh, I might have played Jackdaw in round one, and then I would have had to be hosed against Angel. So. Um, well, Hamelin in a standard guard stash is pretty good as well. Um, I... But the problem with Hamelin, you really need the reps to play it on a clock and one hour, seven minutes. Number one. Number two, his models are paper thin. So if you can kill his models, even in general, it's tough. Like I tend, if I need my models to survive, I tend to bring Barbaros and Hamelin so, to stop you from actually hitting my models. So... I was going to just, you know, add on a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree that having a whole knowledge of your faction is really important, but also I think just not playing anything that's conceptually too difficult if you're not super familiar with how they work on a detailed level. That's like making true. sure you can establish a baseline fundamentals-oriented game plan of like, I have these objectives and I know I can use these models to do them. You know, even if you're not getting 100% out of a model because maybe you've played the crew two or three times, you know, knowing that you can execute on some sort of, you know, game plan and fall back on what you do know about the game, I think is important when you're trying to play a bunch of different keywords in the same day that you have varying levels of familiarity with. Yes. Keep it simple, stupid. I think we said earlier. Yes, exactly. The the kiss rule. Yes. I think that's great. So, all right. We had a bunch of questions um, in discord and I have been talking to you for a long time, so I'm not going to ask all of them. I'm going to ask one and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to uh, also kind of ask you about plugs. Um, So personal glitch had asked, uh, and that's Brian frequent guest. One of his questions was who is the best singer at karaoke night? And, uh, and pretty much like dang near unanimously in the Discord, it was like, it's you, brother. And that's because like being in a band <laughs> is, is OP. I'm not going to ask who's the best singer besides you. I'm just like going to acknowledge that you were the best singer at karaoke night. Well, Landon. Landon was the best singer besides me, is if I had to say. Because, I mean, here's the thing. is Not only am I in a band, but I was also a vocal coach for over 10 years. So, like, yes. That's OP. Hacks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but my thing is, is the thing I my on my very first lesson with every one of my vocal students, I asked them what makes a good singer, and I get a variety of answers, and they're all wrong. The one answer is what makes a good singer is confidence. That's all you need, and Landon Landon has that by the droves. So. Oh yeah. Do <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for Fear sure. Helps. So no, that's great, and that's a great put. But yeah, tell us about your band, and tell us about any other plugs that you want to say. Uh, well, I don't like you, we talked about a little bit earlier in private. Uh, I have a music video for the song called stare, uh, coming out at some point in the near future. Um, it is a song about, uh, social media and how much I hate it. Uh, like the chorus in the song says, stare until you die. You're living in a lie. So stare until you die, which is, you know, the truth. I mean, we are all glued to media, phones, whatever. That's neither here nor there. That's just art is art. And I, you know, wanted to talk about something that makes me mad, especially when the song is aggressive and angry. There you so, go. Awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, 
so there's a music video coming out for that song. We have two versions of the video coming out. Uh, nice. One is an actual edit, and the other one is just a one take. Okay. So cool. Oh, cool. Um, so that's coming out. Uh, I am almost done writing a new album. I'll be starting to record it. I'm on song eight of ten. So Sweet. that's also cool Amazing. i guess yeah. those are the only plugs i have also listen to every bit of content from students of conflict danger planet rage quit wire steampunk scoundrel oh, steam powered scoundrels sorry uh what am i defective am I dice missing? were there defective boring, dice what boring am I conversation boring conversation yeah. we had the other them. coast jim was from the other coast oh, yeah the yeah. other coast and noble is starting up uh oh don't mind us don't mind Don't us mind coming us. out of the Pacific Northwest. So Noble was there with some more content creation. Go listen to all of them if you want to learn more about this game. That's where I started, and I'm doing pretty well, I would say. So <laughs> uh, yeah. go check them out and uh, and keep this community what it is, which is fantastic. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I'll drop the extra plug if you're um, you know interested in meeting content creators because we're cool people. We'll a lot of us will be at Captain Con out in February this coming year. So do that. Go to that event. Do that all. I'm aiming to go again. And Jesse's running that, right? Yep. Jesse, yeah, runs, Jesse it. runs that. Oh yeah, and Jesse boring was there. Conversation. I, I, we didn't mention boring yeah. conversations. Uh, yeah, I said that. I said boring oh, conversations. Okay. I'm. Yeah. You could tell it's late, and I am. Uh, I think that's my cue that Drifting. it's time to sign it's us time off. To go. Oh, so I <laughs> have a couple of things I'd like to promote real fast. Yes. Top dog design. Yeah, well, well, top top dog design. Is, we we plugged it every ep- episode. But no, first of all, uh, some of you listeners out there may have noticed we took a little hiatus from releasing episodes of Students of Conflict. Uh, a big factor in that was I got super busy because a small terrain studio, Phoenix Foundry, had reached out to me to do a bunch of printable terrain design work for a Kickstarter they were gearing up for. Well, that Kickstarter will have launched shortly before we will be releasing this episode. Uh, We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Some quick info on it. It's called Galewin, and it's a 3D printable fantasy village made up of seven core buildings and a sweet airship, all with fully playable interiors. They're they're really sweet. Uh, I personally sculpted three buildings for this project. The Sunwind Tavern. Windmere Manor, and Windward Cottage. And I'm really proud of how they all turned out, so you should check it out. The guys from Phoenix Foundry, uh, Judd and Peter, have been an absolute joy to work with, and we're hoping to do more cool stuff together in the future, so keep an eye on that. But yeah, you should go and check out this Kickstarter and show them some love. Nice. Excellent. Secondly, so Lone Star Fodown, Malifaux GT, uh, this year... I mean, that's what we're talking about today, but it was the largest event in North America this year. Absolutely Insane. staggered that this many players and just our second year doing it. And we have the date already scheduled for next year. We are, you know, have the uh, calendar slot blocked out at Dragon's Lair again. Uh, so October 11th through the 13th uh, is going to be... Lone Star Fodown Malfo GT number three. Let's go. We were the largest this year, you know. We're aiming to get even bigger next year. And yeah, so tickets aren't on sale yet, but I'll be screaming it from the mountaintops as soon as they are. But you know, save the date. There was a big surprise, and that duck made a fate deck for fate everybody, deck. which is fantastic, by the way, uh, for this year. And, uh, 
there might be some surprises for next year's one as well. I'm working on uh, another Fate deck for next year. Just got to get enough done on it to get approval from Weird, so. Nice. Excellent. Future Doug here with one important, timely plug that came up after we recorded, but before we released this episode. I'm running the Malifaux events at Las Vegas Open again, and the Malifaux events are happening at the Rio Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Friday, January 19th through Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Uh, Info and links are in the show notes. The time-sensitive thing that I wanted to share with you all is that the Rio has a crazy good deal on rooms right now, like uh, 35% off. Now, I have no clue how long this deal will last. This deal is saving me big on my room for LVO. And I wanted to get this info out to you all out there in the world. To get the deal, you need to book not through the LVO block, but either directly through the Rio Hotel or your favorite travel booking site, you know, Hotels.com, Expedia, etc. I hope to see you all at LVO. I, I wanted to say, like, I one of the other moments, other than getting wasted, this way, don't drink kids, it affects your memory. It's like I met a, a great kid from Texas. I think his name was Christian. Yeah. Place. That he was like, oh, I saw you winning last year, the NWS. It was great. You inspired me a lot to play by you. Then I got tired of losing and I switched to Resurrectionist. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, and that actually, like, I was like completely hungover destroyed after six fucking games. And I didn't get to spend as much time talking with him as I would like to. But if he hears, if he listens to this. Uh, he does. It was, it was amazing meeting you. And I hope to meet you again soon. He's an awesome dude. He's one of the guys who uh, did he? I don't remember if he played in the Fodown last year, but he, you know, has been really pushing to improve as a player and started out, you know, new player like everyone else. And now he's he's solid. When I run into him on the table, honestly, he beats me most of the time. At this point, he is a sol- He's become a very solid player. He's and a very solid player. And an awesome dude. Shout out to Chris. He's also a lot of a lot of fun to play against as well. Best community in tabletop gaming. Heck yeah. Hands down. So all right. Well, listen, thank you guys so much for being here. Carlo, thank you so much. Congratulations again. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for having us. And uh, y'all take care. Farewell. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malifaux terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! Stop whining. I love you, but stop. And go. (laughs) All right. And here we go.